Welcome to the Proclaim podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. So I thought we'd have a conversation around um, missionary outpost of the home. And there's two sides to this coin. On the one side, we are talking about how the home is the primary place of evangelization. That is parents witnessing to children, forming them in the faith, forming them, helping them to enter relationship with God. And then there's the flip side of that, which is to see the home as a catalytic missionary presence uh, for the world, right? Or for relationships that are coming into that home. So sort of two sides to this one. Does that sound like a good conversation? Let's dig into it. I mean, <laughs> the proclaimed mission is to inspire disciples uh, to proclaim Jesus in their homes and communities. And when I think of this statement, most of our average Catholic like lived experience is the parish community. So I live church at my parish community. The church will evangelize, and I'm going to come alongside it. Yeah. Uh, what we're in, inviting Proclaim members to consider is our own responsibility, our own personal call to mission, and we spend a great deal amount of time in our home sharing meals, we live there, we live with people, people are coming in and out of our homes. So the very idea that our homes could be a missionary outpost just to me makes sense. Yeah, totally, of yeah. course, because so much of our lives are caught up in our homes, right? I'll, I'll share a story, maybe this, this just came to mind, but we had, um, we had, uh, sorry, I'm distracted by that right now. Uh, my daughter, something happened with my daughter, this was like kind of a towards late time conversation. And she had had a hard day in school and I was trying to just help navigate her heart and interpret things properly and all that kind of thing. And uh, I said, well, you know, why don't you maybe think about this or suggest that? And she was like, you know, dad, here's the thing. Cause she had a problem with this particular girl. I'm not gonna name names or anything, but she said, I listened to the things that she's saying about home. And I think she's got a lot of real struggles. And I don't think she even believes. And I think if I just don't get mad and let it happen and remain patient and stay a good friend, that maybe over time she'll come to believe God is good and that he wants a relationship with her and that he's with her all the time. And I just thought, wow, I mean... What an incredible interpretation for a teenage girl to recognize, okay, this particular aspect of my life kind of sucks, but there's something beyond this that I'm caught up in. And I don't want to put another obstacle in the person's way to coming to faith in God. And I just thought, that is amazing. And that's part of the, I mean, I, I would hope, God, thank you, Lord, that it was a bit of fruit coming from raising children, but also she has a missionary outlook. She has a missionary perspective to life and what's happening, and and her heart was just so beautiful in the moment. So I don't know, that that's just kind of an icon of both pieces of this conversation, I guess. So mm -hmm. there you go. I'm thinking of the imagery of a missionary outpost mm. or an outpost in general, and, you know, take it back hundreds of years, you know, uh, where the, the land was bare yeah. in a certain sense. And, uh, and an outpost was a place where you would go to 
in order to seek refuge or yeah. to uh, to find something to get some rest, shelter, provisions, whatever it might be. And so uh, to consider our homes as missionary outposts um, gives us another lens to look at the world around us. Yeah, there are people who are hungry spiritually, emotionally, socially. And they may have everything materially, you know, the home that's right beside us uh, or, you know, the neighbors in our apartment building. Uh, but it's still barren for a lot of people. There are a lot of people that are broken. Oh, yeah. We had another, uh, tell another story. This happened a number of years ago, actually. It was, um, <clears throat> my wife was at home. This was during the day. She wasn't working at the time. And there was a knock at the door. And... She went to the door, answered the door, and it was somebody from one of our soccer teams. You know the story. It was a dad. And his father had just passed away. And he just said to my wife, he said, my dad just died. I don't know what to think or who to talk to, and I just thought I'd come and see you. I mean, it's, it's like so much pain and hurt and confusion and angst and all that is sitting in people's hearts and it's coming from their experience of the four walls of their own home. And a lot of it's not good. It's not healthy. It's painful and, and all the rest of it. The Christian home and the four walls of the Christian home is a refuge. It is an outpost. It is a place for people to come and experience authentic relationships, real family, real love, and what I am not saying, and I'll say this from the beginning, is that we, we're not called to have perfect families. Because anybody who sets out to have a perfect family, I trust me, that will not end well. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it just won't. It has to be real. You know, families fight. There's all that kind of stuff. But at the, the substantive level, there is a, an appreciation for relationships. There is safety. There is calm. There is love. And there is uh, an animating or an understanding that the gospel is real, that Jesus is real, that the resurrection matters, and that the power of the resurrection can invade any situation that anybody has. This guy needed hope. That's what he needed. Mm -hmm. And that's the power of the gospel. So there's just such a profound... I mean, I firmly believe right now, especially during COVID, that the missionary dimension of the home has never been more important than it is right now. Because it's, it's where the gospel really comes to life. It's where people, when they experience a Christian home lived, marriage between father and, or between husband and wife, father and mother in right relationship with their kids, there's something so attractive to that. It's like it is a massive desire for right order in people's lives. And when they experience it, it creates this thirst. Why do they live like this? What is different? And it's Jesus. It's Jesus in the home because he brings right order to everything. So it's never been more important than it is right now, the missionary dimension of the home. Anyways. The two examples you've shared, uh, to me, also doesn't happen in a vacuum. Yeah. Meaning these individuals would have poured their heart out or shared something that was deep because of the relational trust that you've built over time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that relational trust is... Uh, and because I know and have spent time in your home, mm. uh, a lot of that is built over, you know, sharing meals with each other, sitting at the couch, having conversations, uh, modeling, listening, and sharing, uh, sharing deep personal concerns for each other. So 
here's another thought around the missionary outpost of the home. A missionary outpost uh, is not a home that is constantly praying or constantly, you know, um, doing spiritual things. It's it's doing the the normal everyday things like trying to make dinner, put putting food on the table, cleaning up, uh, and then finding moments where intimacy can grow. Uh, where God can be a normal conversation at the dinner table, and uh, forgiveness is a is commonplace. That one I think is uh, I find um, really hard to allow for forgiveness to be commonplace uh, because we're constantly like we're in we're in four walls, and some of us are in smaller places than others. And <laughs> yeah. so you're climbing over each other, you're watching each other's uh, movements, and you know, you're button up with each other at different times, you know, you're tired, she's tired, you know, or, you know, you've had a day, you know, she's had a day, or he's had a, you know, a moment. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're right up with each other, it can yeah. be easily reactive you could easily move into places where you're thinking like i'm i'm justified in the way i'm acting right now yeah and i'm not going to forgive or i'm not going to seek forgiveness yeah and uh and i think you know a missionary outpost a home that is desiring to live out the mm. gospel should be fighting for moments um where forgiveness can be expressed often oh yeah absolutely yeah. and that's one of my greatest gifts is to give uh my kids' opportunities for their dad to say sorry to them. <laughs> no, it's funny because, I, I mean, I think that, especially as dads, that ability to go to your child and ask for forgiveness, there's something just very, well, necessary quite often, frankly, but also um, evangelical about it. It's like just recognizing that I need mercy just like everybody else, and I was wrong. And what do you do when you're wrong? You admit it, and you apologize, and then you try and make restitution. I mean, this is... The way it is, one of the definitions of evangelization, I think it's Pope Benedict when he was uh, a cardinal. He said, evangelization is teaching the art of living. Now that sounds almost poetic and where's Jesus' name in that? Well, living in right relationship to God and, you know, to each other and all that kind of thing. But that's really what it is. Something was said of my wife, she'll hate me for saying it, but it's true, um, by a friend of hers that basically said, you make holiness normal. And like, what an amazing compliment. You make holiness normal. Because when people think of holiness, like people outside the church, they think of holiness, they think of stained glass windows of saints who usually have like angelic looks and, you know, carrying something that's very religious and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, what does the average person who has no context of religious art and all the rest of it look at that and think? Like, you have to be sad. You have to be stoic. Like, what is it? No, you have to be living life. And there has to be a normalcy to that, right? So... You know, a missionary outpost home is not a home, like you say, that's praying 24 hours a day, but it's a home that's joy is just, am, you know, emanating from this place that forgiveness exists, that they have ridiculous times of belly laughter. And sometimes we're laughing over things that maybe are a little bit racy or controversial, whatever, but it's like they just delight in each other. And when people come and they, they see that the relationships are authentic, they're real, there's a depth to them, there's obviously forgiveness and and grace is extended and all those things, it is just so eminently attractive because it is not people's normal experience. There is so much pain that takes place in people's homes where hurt, real hurt, is inflicted. Real shame is the result and nowhere to go, no interpretation, no 
reconciliation, no restoration. I mean, most people, it's like shrapnel to the souls in their houses, you know. And when you have a time like we do in COVID, it's shining a great big, you know, spotlight on some of the tension and the disorder and dysfunction. So this is why all the more in times like COVID that the missionary dimension of the family is just so well understood. And it's not like you don't even have to have an agenda. Just put on a pot of spaghetti and sit down and, and just be, like just talk, just let life happen. And it can be incredibly uh, evangelistic. It really can. There's a common uh, conversation or like a conversation I've had regularly during this pandemic, which uh, speaks to the amount of time that has opened up as a result of canceled mm-hmm. activities and you know, yeah. closures and uh, isolation, uh, social isolating and distancing and, and all of that. And uh, I think one of the temptations that could fall with us would be to try to fill it, mm-hmm. uh, to continue and f- uh, because we're so used to perhaps like, perha- like perhaps living this sort of like, you know, hustle lifestyle oh, yeah. that we're hustling from one thing to another, that we're moving and we have to fill time. We have to be effective and efficient and you know, we can't be bored and, you know, our kids have to be constantly in activities and, mm. and all of that. And uh, when we don't have margin and space and time, uh, deep conversations are hard to come by. Yeah. And opportunities to be outwardly missionary yeah. to others, uh, you know, maybe in our bubble, right? Yeah. Family members yeah, or yeah. those that can come, you know, with, with pandemic. If we don't have time to invite them over for a meal, then how can we how can we say that we desire our homes to be missionary outposts? Yeah, we have to be ready to waste time, if you will, like yeah. put margins in our day and in our weeks, uh, so that opportunities can find itself yeah. in in our homes. Oh, so true. Margin is so key, um, and that certainly has been our experience of COVID. Is the margin that's created is something that we long to have, um, but there's also an aspect of like the missionary dimension of the home means it's not just happening in the home. It's like wherever your family is, that's a missionary outpost because the unit is the family. It's not the house. Although the house is a wonderful environment, but it's the, it's the unit. So, I mean, I can't, the, the strangest things have been opportunities of teaching the art of living. So I remember when, uh, this was probably when Jacob, our oldest, who now has a child, um, was like maybe three or four years old. So we used to teach them that um, when we're in, when they see mom and dad having a conversation with an adult to come and just put your hand on the leg. Don't interrupt, but put your hand on the leg. And I remember um, he did that one time and this person was just struck kind of looking and saying like, she was ready to interrupt the conversation. I'm like, no, he understands. Just put your hand on my leg and I'll get to it when I can. And it was like, and, and what, why are you doing that? Because what it, well, the reason why we do it is because in our home, mom and dad's conversations are the most important. So don't be coming and interrupting these things. And we extended that to where mom and dad are talking. Now, obviously, there's a safety issue. But anyways, I'm just saying this because that was a doorway into this person's heart to say there's something about these folks that is different. Now, and I'm not communicating that like we, you know, should be emulator. I'm just saying the the bar is actually really low <laughs> in terms of having influence and impact on people. Like putting your hand on, on a leg seems like a pretty simple thing. But when it's intentional, when it's done, and there's, there's like an experience of a deeper purpose to everything you do, including putting your hand on a leg, 
it just speaks volumes to people. So yeah, the bar is pretty low. It doesn't take a lot, but it does take proximity. It does take an interaction. It does play, take inviting people into that little family dynamic that you have going. So I don't know if that story is going to hit the podcast. Well, I but, think that's pretty encouraging for, for me as yeah. a young dad family desiring to live out the values of proclaim to be a missionary outpost uh, because what i'm hearing is uh and and this also goes back to yeah. what i said earlier about margin and time yeah sit down for 15 minutes 30 minutes turn the phone off do nothing else and just think about how i would like my home to be a missionary outpost mm. and in in thinking about that exercise I could easily go to, you know, some, you know, ultra spiritual exercises yeah. like, okay, we're doing, we're not doing a rosary a night. We're doing all, you know, yeah. all the mysteries. Let's invite our right? neighbors to a and, novena uh, of rosaries. Right. And no, and, no. And, you know, there might be a time and place for that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm thinking, you know, like reflect on the activities of the day. You know, yeah. when, when was someone interrupted? When was there an opportunity to seek forgiveness? When, you know, mm. when can we start to create some margin? Yeah. Who is in our life right now that could use a phone call yeah. or an invitation or uh, a cup of coffee? Or, you know, how can I express one act of kindness to my kids before I, you know, I leave the, 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 uh, the house yeah. uh, for work? Yeah. Um, so margin is so important to sit with that. And then you said the bar is low. Like, like there are small things yeah. that we can do that will have huge impact. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I had an experience recently with you when, at the, uh, at the uh, COVID wedding, and you did the readings. And when you came back to the pew where you're sitting, your girls were all in the pew, and they're you know very well behaved and all the rest of it. But they started clapping silently <laughs> for mom and dad because of the readings, and you guys just did so awesome. And what I'm saying is that when people see that, it speaks and it speaks to something ancient inside of us, like something right ordered, something beautiful for young children to have enough presence of mind to delight and rejoice in what their parents did well. What that tells me is they see that happening. They have been the positive victims of the same delight from you and Vanessa. So something as small as that becomes this evangelical moment because these things that are profoundly ordered and right and true and beautiful and good, because that, that's the beauty, that's the ache in the human heart to see beauty, and that's a human relational beauty being manifested. It's so, like, and you're thinking this, of course they did. Like, it's just the simplest thing, right? But that speaks volumes to the, to the world in terms of something beautiful in the family. It really does. So yeah, the low the bar is pretty low. Um, that's the good news. And but we have to you're right. There's an intentionality to it for sure that we have to have. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go a different direction sure. with missionary outpost. That idea of our homes as a missionary outpost, and uh, this probably would speak more to younger families, younger kids, mm -hmm. and uh, the invitation to have other faithful families and other faithful young adults even yeah. to be part of your community and yeah. to invite them into homes. So as a young adult, 
Yeah, I would spend time with your family mm -hmm. when your kids were little. Yeah. And there weren't as many of them. <laughs> you weren't as outnumbered. And I witnessed what it like what mm. uh, a loving, faithful family could look like. Mm. And contrasting that to my own family, my family is is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but you did things differently. And mm. I was able to kind of look at both, you know, both my own lived experience and how you've chosen to live out the family life and and see how I wanted to live family life. In addition to that, uh, I've heard that um, you know, having people other than myself witness mm -hmm. to authentic Christian, uh, an authentic Christian life for my kids is hugely influential. Yes. So when I think of uh, kids growing up, and in particular those teenage years where peer pressure is just rampant and overwhelming, and uh, they're looking for um, they're looking for affirmation, but they're also looking for um, some sort of validation to what they're experiencing and mm -hmm. how others have uh, have kind of navigated through that. They're, they're going to have parents who could be oh, yeah. positive influences, but they definitely need peers and young adults yeah. who are, you know, are one or two steps ahead of them and have made, you know, pretty good choices in order to become disciples. And it's turned out well for them. Yeah. Their witness is so powerful. So I think uh, in considering for a family to be a missionary outpost, I think it's sort of, you know, doubly advantageous yeah. that you, inv you invite someone in, they can witness to your life, but they'll witness to your kids as well. Oh, it's yeah. so key. I mean, people who know me understand I was with CCO for a long time and I cannot express how deeply we appreciate you and many others who were those young adults who just by their witness of life confirmed everything that we tried to teach, hoped was taught in Catholic school. I mean, it was, these young adults were just the living gospel. They were living proof. They were the, you know, confirmation. They were all those things. It is so, yeah, it was so vital. So yeah, missionary outpost means a, a uh, it's almost like grand central, you know, it's, there's a, there's an in and out of, of people and, 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 and even th something as simple as having priests over. I mean, Priests don't get invited over as much as they should, but what an incredible opportunity. Or the religious sisters. I mean, we sometimes have the beautiful Franciscan sisters of the Eucharist. There's three of them in in in, in uh, Vancouver. And I mean, to see someone like Sister John Mary playing, you know, mini hockey with our kids. And uh, <laughs> when the very first time Benjamin played, this was probably when Ben was maybe, I don't know, 10 years old or something. And uh, he happened to be beating, I think, Sister John Mary. And then it just realized, he said, wait a sec. If I beat you, do I got to go to confession? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, if she's and not she there, said yes. yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah, you'll be condemned to hell. Yeah. No, she didn't say that. But if if you know if if you don't invite sister over, they're not playing mini hockey. And you know what? Ben's going to remember that probably for the rest of his life. So yeah, missionary by nature of the family as outreach, but it has to be this grand central station of of people coming in and out to affirm the faith for the for the family for sure. Mm -hmm. Let's talk to some of the uh, homes right now that hear what we're saying, are encouraged by the conversation, and would like to start on the path towards creating a missionary outpost, yep. but are so new to the idea yeah. of, of their home being a missionary outpost. Where, where, where do they start? Yeah, uh, I guess the first is, if, first of all, be at peace. There's a large room for error in this. 
Anything we do, many things we try, this is the, the maxim, many things that we try are going to fail. But anything that we try in love will not fail because love never fails. So I would start with simply, you know, think about the people that you want to intentionally uh, invite and start talking about when it would be a good time just to have them over, whether it's over a meal or uh, if it's just couples, maybe over a glass of wine or whatever, and just just do it. I mean, if you're starting something new, you just got to start, you know, and uh, that would definitely be the, the, I think, just the first thing. The other thing, again, Iswa, and I'll speak to this as, as another example from my wife, is that when Andrea, um, it wasn't the first time she started doing face studies, but one of the times where she was going to do another face study, she was really feeling compelled to do it in her home, but she didn't want to because we had a lot of young kids at the time, and she was thinking, our house is going to be a mess all the time. I don't want people coming to this. And it was actually when she was in the Holy Land that this was confirmed, which you would understand, that Mary invited people into the cave, and the cave would have been messy. And this idea that it's okay to invite people into your mess. In other words, into your imperfections. Like, obviously, if you're having an argument with wife, maybe that's not time to invite people over, but you know what I mean? Like, your house doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be your... your your linens don't have to be perfect. Your couch doesn't have to be stain-free. Like, it's just invite them into your home, which means into the reality of your house and your family and the chaos and everything else. One of the most affirming experiences I have is that I went, I won't say who it was, but it's literally a Catholic name that anybody would know. And I was in their home and in their living room and I saw a crayon on the wall. And I was like, this is awesome. You know, this person who is so esteemed in the, in the church for his teaching and all the rest has kids who write crayon on the wall. This is the kind of holiness that I appreciate. So be at peace, invite people into the imperfection, just start, um, listen. Those would be the first things I would say. And the good news is that all our homes are like that. Yeah. Yeah, all our homes <laughs> exactly. are uh, riddled with mistakes and crayons on the wall and because that's life yeah. and and we're all living it. Yep. And I think the, the difference uh, that, decide, that we have and, and that we're privileged in having is the grace of, knowing Jesus, having faith, hope, and love infused into our hearts and into our homes, and knowing that amidst all of these mistakes, God still wants to be with us, yeah. and he wants to uh, make things right for us, and he wants to fill out the imperfections, yeah. and that he can still turn, and he wants to, he wants to turn good things, beautiful things, out of the messes that we make. Yeah. and. Uh, I hope that's encouragement to all of our families who are thinking, how in the world am I going to be, is my home going to be a missionary outpost? Because yeah. every home has some level of dysfunction. Yeah. It's par for the course. Of course. Yeah. It's normal. Yeah. So let's go to one word of encouragement. I mean, we've talked a little bit about it, but let's go to one word of encouragement that you'd like to give to our listeners. I'd probably finish with that just, just to... Um... Yeah, invite people into the mess. Make it a normal part of your family life to invite people into your world and see what God can do because you can do amazing things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I'd love to end with encouraging our listeners to find some margin in, in their life, uh, to sit with the question, Lord, how would you like me to, hmm. uh, to live out uh, my or to uh, make my home a missionary outpost 
and I'm positive the Holy Spirit will inspire. Amen. Yeah. So why don't we close our podcast there? And as usual, I don't know how to end podcasts, so I'm just going to say goodbye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Yeah. Bye, guys. <laughs>